podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Brutal Nation, a podcast series dedicated to lesser-known serial killers and true crime. I'm your host, Scott Alexander, and right across from me is Miss Tammy Underwood. Say hi, Tam. Hi, everybody. All righty. So, this is our Wednesday edition. Yep, and it's going to be a would-be Wednesday, not oh, a whodunit Wednesday. I was going to ask what the Wednesday was. Was it a wanker Wednesday or... Shut up. It's either whodunit <laughs> or would-be, and this one's a would-be a would-be one. She was uh, eight, 17, 18. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, actually, it happened when she was... I mean, it started when she was younger, but she got in trouble when she was 17, I think. Damn kids getting in trouble. I know. Fucking send them to school, get them some books, what do they do? They don't go to school and they eat the books. That's pretty much it. Okay. This lady is by the name of Christine Falling. Now, she doesn't really have a moniker, but she has been described as the killer babysitter. Um, And that will come into play here in a little bit. But I have a quote, and it's from an unknown author, but um, it was fitting for her because some of the most poisonous people come disguised as friends and family. True story. I know. Look at some of the people in our family. They're the most poisonous people we know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, I, I want to start this one off with a disclaimer of sorts. Um, we just covered a couple yesterday that were sick, sick, sick motherfuckers. Yeah. And if you didn't hear episode 32, then you should go back and listen to it. Um, so, I know... That Scott does not like it, and I don't like it either, when we present cases that involve children. It's not another one, is it? Well, frankly, I don't either, considering both have children whom we love unconditionally with all of our hearts. However, if we stand by our promise to present the lesser-known cases, then at some point, we're going to have to make an exception to this preference. But two in a row. Okay, but wait. That being said, although this case does involve harm being done to children... I will let everybody know right now that at no point has it been reported that the victims in any of these in any of these cases were sexually assaulted, nor were they mutilated in any way. Well, that's a little bit of a relief. Okay, that is one reason why I chose to feature it when I read the initial research report and even more so after I dug deeper into the facts of this case. Okay, now let's begin. Um. As far as childhoods are concerned, the nicest way to describe Christine's would be to say unorthodox. However, in my opinion, I'm going to be rather blunt here. Her childhood was bizarre as fuck. Oh, okay. That's a good way to start off. Uh, Yeah. Um, Let me give you the information so you can see what I'm talking about and you'll be able to draw your own conclusions. Cool. Okay. Christine Falling was born on March 12th of 1963 in the town of Perry, Florida. For those of you who don't know where Perry is located, don't worry. Neither did I. That's why I looked it up. Please it's, tell me it's near Jacksonville. That would actually, at least give me some happiness. Actually, it's located in the armpit of the Panhandle, approximately 52 miles somewhat southeast of Tallahassee. Oh, okay. Yeah, the armpit of the Panhandle, like yeah, that. I like, like that. It's like the undercurve of the mullet. It's the undercurve of the mullet. Cause, yeah, it's you know, where the Florida, party meets the business. Florida's the uh, mullet of America. <laughs> <laughs> Wee, NASCAR. 
dude, you need to look at the map of Florida and you'll see what we're talking about. You know, just picture it as hair and not as a fucking land, right? Okay. Um, so here's a couple of the bizarre things. And yes, there's more. So just this is just a couple. When she was born, her father was 65 years old. Go, daddy. Oh, her mother was 16. She was what... Okay, once again, go dad, because if you're, if yeah. you're getting... I don't know, 16 is pretty fucking young. If you would have said 18, I'd have a little bit more respect for him, but... Yeah, no. Damn. Yeah, and Christine was what some would describe as mentally challenged, <laughs> not to mention she was also an epileptic. Now, this might come into play in a little bit. Like a bit. real epileptic or a bullshit one, like when we did uh, Shipman and, uh, and Fred? No, and, you know, a real one. Shit like that, okay. No, this one's a real one, supposedly. Okay. Okay, so it wouldn't be long before her family realized they were unable to care for her anymore, so they turned her over to social services. It was, a while, it was while she was with social services that she was bounced around between various orphanages and foster homes. Reports indicate this is when she, was re, then she resorted to killing small animals in order to deal with her anger and resentment. Sociopathic yeah. tendencies. Wait, later she, she herself would state that she would test a cat's quote-unquote nine lives theory by dropping them from rather high locations to see if they truly landed on their feet. Dude, what the fuck? Yeah, she would like, and I saw a little mini documentary on her, which I did. I saw actually the documentary happened to come across my thing after I had done her. So it's like when I'm watching, I'm like, holy shit, no. But she would take these cats and like, not quite as high as a water tower, but like the top of a building type height, like a multi-story building. Dude, And just take the, the cat and drop them to see if they would land on their feet. That's Jesus Christ. I know. Isn't that weird? It's fucked up is what the fuck yeah. that is. Well, yeah. So by the time she turned 14 in September of 1977, her family forced her into a marriage with a 20-year-old guy named Goober Falling. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, really. Really. Well, well, what's his real name? No, what the fuck? I will get into that later. Well, at least I get a good laugh at the beginning of this. <laughs> I know, right? This no, is I my husband, Goober. <laughs> I knew you would, too. And I will address this a little later because it, it really confused me. So I guess was it the goober or the falling? This marriage had little chance of survival. You think with yeah. goober and an epileptic? <laughs> I know, right? That's that. Isn't that a Slipknot song? Goober and the epileptic. <laughs> a Slipknot song? Yeah. Oh, I you... just saw somebody with a Slipknot T-shirt the other day. That's weird that you would say that because they're not a very common band that people refer to. Give me some Slipknot's freaking awesome. I know, but it's not really common that you hear somebody refer to their. Their, their songs <laughs> but no i can see that in one of their songs yeah don't they have like weird titles anyways actually it'd be it'd be more of a uh oh they were just in my head too i'll think of the band but they they did a song called like a uh why known as big brown beaver and just some really oh see i don't know those guys yeah but no, i was just listening not... to them too god damn it so anyways, it was a quite a contemptuous, as they tended to argue on a daily basis, and they called it quiz after what I would say felt like six long weeks of this daily ritual. Oh, now, Primus. Huh? Primus is the band. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And so I'll explain a little later what happened during their brief marriage. But I'm going to pause right there for a second. 
even though I couldn't find documentation of it in the short period I had to research this case, the information I just presented makes it sound like there was some sort of religious or cultural significance surrounding both her parents' marriage as well as her own. The goober? Yeah. Like I said, I wasn't able to find proof of this. It's just my opinion. I wasn't able to wrap my mind around it by looking at it any other way. How else would one explain why there was such an age difference, not to mention the fact both she and her mother were both minors when they got married? Oh, yeah. Even for the late 70s, that was not a common practice. Yeah, that was pretty bizarre even for the late 70s. Okay, yeah. That's what I was thinking. But then again, you married her off to a dude named Goober, so you really can't shock me very much. And I had this information before I'd even gotten further into my research and found out more I hear banjos at their wedding. That's what the (laughs) hell I hear. And a lot of toothlessness (laughs) and bib overalls. And the fucking washboard. Now the band's going to go up there. You click, 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 click click on the washboard and the banjo. Yep. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. No. Um, Okay. So now let me go on. But it was, I was, I'm also going to interject something here. Oh, wait, no. It wasn't too long after her divorce when she became quite seriously ill. Okay. Probably got Gabriel disease. Then, then over the next two years, there's a record in two year time period. She was hospitalized 50 times. Yeah. She had also begun to have hallucinations and often complained she saw red dots appear right before her eyes. It's a UFO. <laughs> Top it all off, her menstrual cycle became erratic, and she would bleed at irregular levels. All this led up to the doctors diagnosing her as incapacitated by the age of 16. Damn. Okay, I'm going to interject something here as well. As this may be what some would consider too much information, to which I say it's a medical situation, and it's also a natural part of a woman's life. Get the fuck over it. I want to put into perspective to those who wouldn't understand that a significantly irregular menstrual cycle can have quite an effect on an individual. I know that. I've dated some of those psychos. Well, not just that. Some females are known to have such heavy flows every month that they would, in essence, be considered hemorrhaging for the duration Mm -hmm. of their monthly cycle. I mean, I know for a fact because I was one of them. (laughs) And for the duration of 7 to 14 days... It was straight up hemorrhaging. And I didn't realize that until I was older. But You're um, immortal. Yeah, I am. And so you guys who fucking complain about having the flu can go kiss my fucking ass. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Ma'am, you need to calm down. (laughs) Ma'am, security. Right. This in itself can cause severe anemia and other related health issues. So when you add that to any other health issues she may be having, as well as the hallucination and the red dots, which I don't know what the fuck that could mean, I can see why the doctors made such a determination. Okay? Now, information on her murders. Since her condition allowed her to do little else, she tried to earn extra money by babysitting for friends and others around the neighborhood. This wouldn't turn out to be such a wise decision, or perhaps it was her plan all along. I don't know, because we have to take into consideration she did harm those animals when she was younger. Yeah. Okay, so on February 25th, 1980, Christine was babysitting a little girl by the name of Cassidy Johnson, who was only two years old. 
At some point, I wasn't able to determine if it happened while she was still in Christine's care or if it was after Christine had left. But Cassidy ended up at the doctor's office and the doctors determined the young girl had meningitis, which was due to a traumatic brain injury. Oh, shit. Okay. It was three short days later when the toddler succumbed to her injuries and passed away. Christine told everyone the little girl passed out and fell out of her crib. The physician who attended Cassidy wasn't buying the story, so he actually wrote a note that was passed on, that was supposed to be passed on to the police that they should look further into Christine's claims. However, somehow this note was lost in transit to the authorities, and nothing was ever done. Of course, that's not like a lot of them that we feature. I know, right? Something nothing was ever done, and now, happens. and now we're like, "Oops, so it's our bad." Yeah. So Christine then would move to Lakewood, Lakeland, Florida, approximately two months after this event. And early that summer, while she was babysitting a four-year-old boy by the name of Jeffrey Davis, he would die under mysterious circumstances. The initial documentation of the autopsy indicated his death, his cause of death to be myocarditis, which is an inflammation of the heart muscle often caused by a viral infection. However, some of the doctors didn't believe this was the sole reason for his death. Okay? Okay. Jeffrey's funeral was held three days later, at which time Christine happened to be babysitting his cousin, ooh, um, two-year-old Joseph Spring. He, too, would die just hours later due to what doctors at the time determined was a viral infection. His death was ruled by as natural and officials assumed he suffered from the same virus that Jeffrey had and nothing further was done. Okay. Now, I don't know what the statistics are of three children dying who are in the care of the same individual. However, I would venture to say right around slim to none. You think? Yeah, it's for this reason. I'm finding it hard to believe that the authorities aren't doing some sort of inquiry into the reason behind this apparent anomaly. Okay, because this is three already. Right, no kidding. She's already got a pattern going on. Yeah, pretty, pretty much, right? Um, yeah. So, let's see. So, one was in February, so March, April. Within, like, four months, three kids have died. Okay? So, she would... Um, oh, wait. Now... Uh, Nothing more was reported until July of 1981, so a year later, when Christine returned to Perry. Apparently, word had spread about her, let's just say, rotten luck when it came to babysitting. It was hard for her to get people to let her babysit their children. Go figure. Right. So when she got back to her hometown, she went from babysitting to caring for seniors and quickly got a position as a nursing assistant taking care of a 77-year-old by the name of William Swindle. And as luck would have it, he would die in his kitchen on the very first day Christine started looking after his care. Hmm, what a clinky dink. I know, right? Magazine that one, friends. Magazine that one. <laughs> we need Sherlock Holmes. No kidding, man. I'm going to get so, a Sherlock Holmes hat just for episodes like this. Are you? Uh-huh. So by the fall of 1981, Christine was watching her half-sister's eight-month-old daughter, Jennifer Daniels, for a few minutes while the young woman ran into a store. So she just left her in the car with this girl. Okay? It was in the few short minutes that Jennifer's mother got out of the car, went into the store, that young Jennifer suddenly stopped breathing. 
and ended up dying from what doctors initially determined to be SIDS, sudden infant death, sudden yeah. infant death syndrome. This is something doctors end up diagnosing after all other options are exhausted and is basically any unexplainable death with an otherwise healthy child who is under the age of one. However, it usually only occurs when the infant is sleeping. That's what I thought. So how they came to that determination when this girl was in the car is beyond me. Okay? Now... Again, I'm not understanding why authorities aren't more suspicious of the seemingly mysterious deaths that are happening to those entrusted in Christine's care. The whole situation is quite flabbergasting to me, to say the least. I know. I know. I'm, like, I'm looking at this whole picture, and, but I would like to... I'm looking at it as a whole picture. But I'd like to believe that even if I were around her during this time, I would be saying the same thing. Wouldn't you, you would, like to hope you would think that? Yeah, I would like to think that my IQ is high enough to think that, yeah. Okay, so this would all change in just a little while, though. By July of 1982, while Christine was watching an eight-month-old by the name of Travis Coleman, when he, too, would die somewhat suddenly, his doctors ended up ordering an autopsy. Smart doctors, finally. Right. Once we determine the little boy suffered internal injuries that could only be caused if he had been suffocated. Holy shit. Yeah. So it seems her reign of terror on the innocent and helpless around the area would finally come to an end. Okay? Oh, sorry. I was choking on a piece of salami. Shut up, Scott. Although I'm glad she's finally being stopped and authorities are finally looking into things, I feel that they should have done so before she killed her last three victims at the very least. However, since young children were involved, I feel something should have been done after young Cassidy died. I can't help but feel if it had, four babies and one adult would have been spared from her actions. I agree with you because I have my thinking cap on. I was going to ask you why you put that thing on. Tell me, uh... Sure, I calms the shit out of Isn't this. Isn't it too hot to wear that, though? Isn't your head hot? No, I'm just wagging his tail. Yeah. It's like a little neck cooler. You wish you could wag your tail. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> you shake that groove thing? Uh-huh. Okay. So, after Travis died, police decided it was time to talk to Christine. While they were questioning her, she confessed to murdering only three of the children, she would claim the reason she committed the murders was because she heard voices chanting for her to kill the baby, to which she complied by smothering them with pillows and blankets. Hmm. Kind of like uh, Berkowitz. Oh, yeah. Berkowitz huh? heard the dog. Heard she's, the dog talking. Yeah, she's hearing fucking uh, you know, My dog talks to me, but he never told me to kill anybody. No, he, he talks to me and he says he wants to live with me and not you. He never shuts up. <laughs> but anyways, I really tried digging deep to find out in what context she supposedly heard these voices and came up empty. Okay? And there's a reason I felt this information would be important here. You see, a true schizophrenic doesn't hear the voices in their head. To them, the voices seem to be coming from outside their head, and they feel like everyone around them can also hear the voices. And don't truly understand why nobody else is responding to them. Okay? 
So if she actually did hear them in that sense, then I can almost see the motivation behind the murders. Mm. Almost. Yeah, okay. You know. But since she actually confessed to the murders, prosecutors decided to take the death penalty out of the equation and opted instead to sentence her in December of 1982 to three life sentences in prison. She would have to serve a minimum of 25 years before she would be eligible for parole in the year 2017. She was housed at the Homestead Correctional Institute in Homestead, Florida, yet her story does not end there. Christine's first parole hearing came in November of 2017, and she had nobody there to support her. After reviewing her application, the parole board rejected it and set her set out her second hearing for another seven years. So it will occur... It won't occur until the year 2024. Okay? Now, it should come as no surprise that the media dubbed Christine the killer babysitter. Okay. Okay? However, it should be noted that without her confession, she may never have been charged in the first place. During her confession, she was quite forthcoming when she gave her accounts of the murders. At one point, she was describing either Cassidy's or Jennifer's murder when she said, I choked her till she quit breathing and started to turn purple. She would also go on to say she just killed them the way she saw it being done on TV, and she wasn't sure exactly why she acted on the urges, other than supposedly hearing the voices when it came to three of the, of the murders. However, she did say that sometimes they would cry and it made her mad, so she stopped them from crying. Okay. On one occasion, she stated she simply got the urge to kill, so she acted on it. I was unable to determine which incidents this referred to. She would also later confess to killing William, the 77-year-old man who died on the first day she was, he was in her care. And try as I might, I was not able to find out how she killed him. But I also didn't have the opportunity to pull her court records. Now, I found this admission to be very appalling but also somewhat telling. It alludes to the fact that she knew exactly what she was doing, which to me indicates she wasn't simply just doing the bidding of the voices she was hearing as she claimed. You know what I mean? Uh I'm listening. Okay, so when you add the fact that she freely admits to strangling small animals and dropping cats from high places to see if they would land on their feet, I believe she's a typical psychopath, if not sociopath. Hmm. Okay. That that she at some point would have chosen to kill people in one capacity or another, it doesn't shock me. It just so happened she was handed her victims and she didn't have to go out looking for them because, you know, she was a babysitter. They mm-hmm. hired her to babysit. Don't get me wrong. Not all psychopaths choose to kill people, but the ones who do tend to act on those choices no matter what else goes on in their life. Okay? Yeah. Okay, although technically Christine will always be eligible for parole at different intervals of her incarceration, the prosecutors that spoke at her first parole hearing referred to her as the babysitter from hell and adamantly stuck to their belief that she didn't deserve any mercy despite the fact they didn't press for the death penalty. As you know, the parole board apparently agreed with them since they didn't show her any sort of mercy at that time. I fully support their decision to deny her parole and would continue to do so. And I don't base my decision on any of the things she said during her confession. I base my decision on something she told a reporter later. 
Sometimes I wonder if I don't have some kind of spell over me when I get around youngins. She got the word youngins from Goober. From where? From Goober. <laughs> Dude, shut up. Okay. It's also believed that when she's in front of the board once again in 2024, she will again have nobody present that is in her corner, so to speak, supporting her and her release. For that reason, it's also believed she will never be granted parole. If that is the case, the entire term of her sentence would mean her release date is sometime in the year 2254. That's a long time to wait. Will Uber wait? Considering she was sentenced in 1982 and she happened to be 19 years old at the time, it's safe to say she'll probably die in prison. Now, there was a community response to her. Okay, for two and a half years after her arrest for these deaths, speculation about the reasoning would include claims of voodoo and hexes in Blountstown, which was a small population of around 4,000 people. However, Mary Goodman, who owns and operates Goodman's Cafe, was quick to tell a reporter at the time, nobody wants to discuss it. Frankly, who can blame them for feeling that way? I feel the same way, wouldn't you? I suppose, yeah. Okay. Okay, my final thoughts. Ready? Oh, how? I got a couple page, about a page and a half of final thoughts because it really. Okay, we already know that as a child, Christine was born to a poverty-stricken family that obviously didn't have the skills to handle what she was going through. Right. Right. However, it also came out later when she was 14 years old and her family forced her to marry 20-year-old Goober. And I'll talk about him here in a second. <laughs> I can't get over the name. I know she dropped out of school. So she only completed the seventh grade. There's also reports that she was pregnant around that time and she lost that baby, which was one of the causes for the divorce. Now, I'm assuming she became pregnant before the marriage. And since that marriage only lasted six weeks, you know, since that marriage only lasted six weeks. And I know from experience, it's not likely to test positive for pregnancy in that time frame in the present time. So it wouldn't have been it would have been virtually impossible during the 70s. Unless you're a goober. To know that she was pregnant within seconds of marrying Oh, her. hell yeah, man. Goober, the name Goober comes with supernatural powers. <laughs> he went out there, he shook his beer can, and he's you like, know, you're that pregnant. that makes me want to call you Goober right Oh, my now. God. You're a dick. <laughs> you're such a dick. I know. I'm so glad I got it for you. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about our ex-husband, Goober. Okay? For a let's second. Let's talk about Goober. First of all, I'm hoping that this is a nickname. However, since they are from Florida, I wouldn't be at all shocked to learn it was his actual birth name. That's what I was going to ask okay. you. Can we confirm that that's his birth name? <laughs> I know, right? However, what I really want to discuss is this. I was re- really confused when it came to this part. I read some reports that at some point when she was being shuffled around while she was in the care of social services, she was adopted by, and reports say, and thus my confusion... <laughs> Her stepfather, Jesse Falling. This would indicate that Goober was, in fact, a member of her extended family, since Falling isn't a common surname in the United States, right? That is very true, yeah. Okay. If this information is, in fact, true, which I'm still looking into because I could only find two reports that stated this, and I like to verify through at least three, unless they are extremely credible sources... It leads me to wonder if there wasn't some sort of abuse going on and she was molested by him, which caused her pregnancy. Arkansas, you need to go to Florida and take your family back. 
Just saying. <laughs> Go get Goober. Go get Goober. Go get his daddy. Get him back to Goober Arkansas. in the Andy Griffith show. There was, yeah. Okay. Go get him and take him right back to Arkansas. Did he because... have the the mechanic, the tow truck, or whatever? Maybe I can't. I can't quite remember. And I actually watched the Andy Griffith show. I know. I used to watch it all the time. Okay. Anyways, if that's the case, her family forcing her to marry him if he was actually her abuser, and this is only my opinion, but I'm sure it'll be shared by others, absolutely, without any question whatsoever, positively disgusting, and it is a level of insanity all on its own. I don't think it was a force. Hmm? Anyway, go ahead. You don't think what? I don't think it was forced. The marriage or the... The marriage. Oh. Because then why didn't they force her to stay with him after six weeks? Oh, this is true. Okay. But. Could have been a nice goober fallen family. <laughs> Dude. You bother me. <laughs> so does goober. On every level. Okay. I'm, I'm not going to say that I myself am a survivor of abuse. And I'll admit some of that abuse was sexual. If at any point my abuse happened in the 70s when resources were virtually non-existent, not to mention that sort of thing was never talked about. To top that off, if anyone in my family tried to make me marry my abuser, I can honestly, without question, say I probably would have done everything I could to have committed suicide. No, true, yeah. You know, I wouldn't be able to continue to live knowing I would have to be married to the man that destroyed my innocence for any amount of time. I'm not saying this because I condone suicide, because I truly do not feel it's the answer to anything. I'm just saying, if I were in that situation, I would feel like it was my only option. I, the only option I had to prevent what I would consider more abuse at the hands of someone who had already abused me. If that happened today, where there were more resources available and abuse is, much, is more widely discussed in society, I may not choose to kill myself, but I would do what I could to get out of the situation. Totally, yeah. Okay. So, I'll end my presentation of this case with this last bit of information, and then one final thought to sum it up. I read an interview Christine had with a reporter a week after she killed Travis, right before she was arrested, that haunts me. She was being interviewed in front of the trailer she lived, and the report says she, she appeared to be dazed and haunted. In the interview, she maintained she was convinced she was not to blame for his death and is quoted to say, just because I'm not having an easy life, maybe it will straighten up one day. I don't see how that's ever going to happen. That's what she said to the reporter. Yeah. There's so much going on with this. Oh, I didn't know there was cheese. Yeah, that's for my lunches. Oh, well, there you go. Cheese stealers. <laughs> cheese thieves. Okay, for her to know that she's completely to blame when she gave that interview and knowing she was unable to resist the urge to kill the innocent people that were left in her care, her statement saying she didn't know how her life straightening up one day was ever going to happen tells me that she would have continued to kill even more kids and elderly individuals had the authorities never taken her in for questioning, which prompted her confession. Okay? I. I. Listen to you. Usually you have more to say. Oh, I'm waiting. Keep on oh, going. Okay. Life seemed simpler back in that time. They seemed that they... That way until the early 90s when there was a time when we stopped trusting people so much. 
It was a time parents felt safe letting their children play around the neighborhood with little to no supervision. A time when you felt you could trust an older child in your neighborhood to look after your children and believe you would be able to go out and return home without anything going wrong. It was a time people didn't feel they had to do background checks on those they employed. This case makes me wonder if if we as a society should have always asked this one simple question, can you trust, really trust your babysitter? I think we should have always asked that. Yeah. You're, you're leaving these, uh, these people with really was your most precious cargo. Pretty much. It's your fucking kids, man. Yeah. So this, I have some questions for you now though. Do you feel that she had diminished capacity or do you think she was simply a cold blooded killer that preyed on those who were defenseless and left in her care? I'm glad you asked. I've been waiting patiently. You've been waiting patiently. With my thinking cap. With my thinking cap on. <laughs> Which for those of you that don't know, I'm gonna po- I'll have her post a picture of my thinking cap with me wearing it, which is a stuffed alligator that I can wag its tail by pushing yeah. on its hands. So, okay, here's the thing. She was born with diminished capacity. Right. I don't think that she truly knew. I don't think she truly did know right from wrong, although she could acknowledge that she was in the wrong. Right. Like, there's a, there's a difference between being able to acknowledge something and truly feel that. Right. You know, um, you could tell somebody all day and all night, no, I was wrong, you know, because that's what they want to hear. Mm-hmm. But to truly know that you're wrong and feel it, it's two different beasts right there. And yeah. I don't think she had that ability. This is true. Um, so, yeah, I think that... I think there was a lot of diminished capacity there. Um, <clears throat> I don't want to pick on the trailer park thing too much because you say trailer park, and I start thinking there's some child molestation going on. No, but also but, people, uh, I mean, just because somebody lives in a trailer park doesn't mean they're white trash. No, that's true. That's true. However, if they're a Catholic, if they're a Catholic there's definitely child molestation, so we've got to find out that. Um, You're so bad. I'm sorry. Fine. Catholics never had a history of child molestation. That's not what Fine. I'm saying. You just don't have to bring it up every chance you get. Oh, yes, I do. That's, that's my <laughs> job. Um, no, I think that I, I don't think that she truly knew right from wrong. I think there's schizophrenia in there. I think there is, too. And I don't just based on what I, I, I wouldn't know for sure until I look at her psyche valves. Right. Um, and or I'm interview her myself. What the red but, dots signify. Well, I think that she shouldn't be in prison. I think she should be in a mental institution okay. where she can get proper treatment. Okay. And I think that falls into a lot of people who've done violent acts and, and criminals in general is a criminal is not always a criminal. And what I mean by that is that sometimes the criminal just really they need mental help. Right. And I've said this for years is that we have a huge mental health crisis in, in this, in this country. You know, where... Uh, like there, there's a there, there's a portion of the homeless that don't really want to be homeless, but due to schizophrenia right. and other things that are going on with them, that's where they live, man. You know, because sure. it's not proper. They need to be institutionalized at least for a period of time, not sure. their whole life, and kind of reprogrammed a little bit in a safer environment. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't feel in my heart that Christine really. Knew what she she knew what she was doing, mm-hmm. but you know when you're, you're talking voices in your head, so you know you're talking. What I'm what I'm viewing is all the uh, symptoms of schizophrenia. Right. Um, it's really wouldn't be her fault. 
It's okay. a schizophrenia. She needs treatment. This is true. This is true. And I'm not saying she's not getting that in prison. Maybe the prison in Florida is giving her proper treatment and medications. Maybe. Well, let's hope. Yeah, but... But not only does she need the medication, I believe she also needs the counseling and stuff to learn how That's part how of treatment. To, yeah, to learn how to <laughs> cope and compensate. Right, because treatment, you know, isn't... It, it is never all chemical. Right. Part of treatment is proper counseling. Right. So then... Um, you kind of answered that question for me, too. But um, do you think if she was released today, do you think that it's possible for her to actually be rehabilitated enough? Today? No, because I don't think that she's had proper counseling and proper treatment. Okay. That's the whole thing. You have to have a treatment plan. That's the only way to get better. Okay, there's a couple of components that I, that I view, just from my own personal experience, that contribute to to healing and getting better, right? Because mental illness is at its mm-hmm. core; it's an illness. It's a, it is. It's a it's a chemical imbalance. It is. Um, number one, whoever is seeking the treatment has to really want to be cured of that, mm-hmm. you know, or figure out how to manage it, right? Okay, so that have, have be a willing participant, right? We can all go through the motions. We can all get into counseling and go, "Oh no, I'm on board with you," but if you really don't want it, right? You might as well be blowing smoke up someone's asshole. Oh, true. You know, it's all for not. Um, so that's one. Two, the proper treatment, uh, both chemically and counselor-wise, a lot of counseling, a lot of therapy, to kind of get them back on track. And right. then afterwards, a good support system. Right. You know, so that way there, if they feel like they're backsliding. So in her case, it'd be like, hey, I'm starting to hear these voices again right. that want me to kill babies. They have somebody that they can call immediately. Right. No different than when you're an alcoholic or you're a narconon right. um, or anything like that. And we, we lack that as a society, unfortunately. We, we, we seem to want to punish me- mental illness. Yeah. And we rise up. Even on though people. there's more awareness of it, there's still not a, a whole lot of acceptance for it. Right. And we rise up people who are just truly criminals. Right. You know, we make, we make uh, idols out of them. And it's really to help to help society really function and heal as as, as a because it's a, it's a group effort. You have to identify what is a true criminal and what is somebody who is just mentally not there, right. who has a mental illness. And that's what I feel Christine is. I think she falls under the category of mental illness. Okay. You know, plus it's got to be pretty damaging if she was forced to marry Goober. Yeah. That's exactly. going to be pretty, that's well, pretty and, hardcore, man. Especially if he was related to her on some level. Yeah. You know, stepdad is his dad or whatever. That's, it's pretty fucking intense. Yeah. So, I mean, that's why I brought it up because, I mean, because it was shown that an interview was done with this, you know, Joseph family who had adopted her at some point when she was being tossed around. Oh, my good God. And so, and if his name was Falling and Goober's last name was Falling, then right. at some point, I mean, he was on an extended family member to be sure. Yeah, probably maybe even just a cousin. Yeah. Once again, Arkansas. Come and pick your family up. Take him back home. <laughs> Go to Florida. Go to Florida. Get him out. <laughs> pick him up. Get him the fuck out of there. So they already have enough naked tree humpers. <laughs> they don't need that. Apparently too. a family from your state wandered <laughs> the fuck off. <laughs> But, um, but yeah, I just, I really wish, honest to God, that we had better mental health care 
in, yeah. in this country. Oh, no, I've said it for years. You I've know? said that same thing for years, that we need more mental health outlets for people. Right, not just advocacy, because we can advocate for me- mental right. health all day and all night, but we need actual institutions right. where we can put them away and give them treatment. Right. And then, not put them away, lock them up so much. No, I, I hear what you're saying. Right. I kind of want to clarify make, that. But. And make the determination, though. Right. Okay, is, okay, so if we had Christine today and, and we could... Um, I just realized I misspelled her name on the tracks. Anyway. That's fine. Um, we, can, we, we can institutionalize her. Okay, right. let's say after a period of a year, we can evaluate her. We can say, okay, is she making progress? Right. That's, that, that's A number one. We're not even talking about releasing her yet. Right. Is she making progress right. to kind of adapt to her situation? You know, and what's that... What is that based on? Is it based on her just taking a bunch of meds? Right. Or is this something that she's actually putting forth right. thought into going, okay. Right. Is she on the Thorazine shuffle? Or is she, yeah. yeah. You know, is she really trying to to help cure herself, to right. help heal? Right. That would be A number one. We're not, like I said, we're not even talking about releasing her. Right. Between a year and two, then you can kind of start to look and go, okay, she's she's participating. Mm-hmm. You know, in group therapy, and she's you know very active, even in one-on-one. Mm-hmm. She takes her meds. She really, at least, looks like she wants to get better. Right. She wants to improve. Right. Then you can start thinking of an appropriate time and regiment once she's an outpatient, because you right. don't, you want you don't want to just release people into the wild like no, that. No, you would start uh, slowly, like a couple hours here and there, and then progress to a little bit more. Right, yeah. then progress eventually mm-hmm. to an outpatient where she's got a she comes in, yeah, checks Carl in. Carl from Sling Blade. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't seen Sling Blade, believe it or not. Oh my goodness, you need to watch Sling Blade. But uh, I like my biscuits with mustard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I saw that part of it, dude. I love my biscuits with mustard too, but that's another. One. You're a sick fucker. That's anyway, good. um, you say that a lot about gross things that you eat, but um, you know, give a good enough evaluation and to determine if if she does need to be institutionalized for the rest of her life. Because the flip side is, if if she's going through the motions, but she's not really participating and she's not really putting forth the effort. You go, okay, right. you know, she probably shouldn't be out in the wild. Probably, yeah. You know, but if she is going through everything and she's really trying and you can really determine that she's trying, hey, by all means, man, take the chance. Slowly but surely, I mean, getting her reintegrated right. into society. Right. I mean, because look at these people who are asking for the help and can't get it. Like that one guy we featured. Um, uh, Carol. Carol. Cole. Yeah. Carol Cole. Yeah. I mean, he knew he was a danger to society. He knew he needed help. He asked for help. They basically told him no. He didn't just ask. He begged right. for help. And the doctors all knew that he wasn't all there. They knew his proclivity uh, would lead right. him to, to homicide. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, I, you have one doctor that knew this that actually wrote that and released him. Then you had the other clinic. I think it was in Texas. Could have been Nevada. I can't remember. They gave him the bus ticket to San I think, Diego. I think that was Nevada that they said, oh, well, sorry about your luck. I don't know what the fuck to tell you. Here's a bus ticket. Hit the skids. Yeah. You know? So. And, and, and that. And that was back when we had open mental institutions. Right. So this has been an ongoing issue for, for decades. Mm-hmm. 
decades and decades. But unfortunately, guess what? They've closed our mental institutions. Because crazy people don't pay. Yeah. You know what pays? Prisons. Yes. This prisons pay. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. Prisons pay very, very well, especially private prisons. They pay. Mm-hmm. But crazy people don't. Right. And it's a sad state of affairs in a great country who mm-hmm. has so many resources. We do have a lot of resources. Not to address this problem mm-hmm. outside of giving somebody lithium, Thorazine. Um, or, or throwing their ass in jail. Or throwing them in jail. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that's why I mean. I, I, I'm, I'm not hopeful, but I'm hoping that Christine Falling is getting therapy. Me too. And proper medication and things like Me that. Me too. Even if she doesn't get out of prison. Yeah. And there's a reason for that. Because going through that, knowing that you've done what you've done, eventually is going to weigh on you no matter what. And maybe... Yeah, and if you're starting to get the help you need, mm-hmm. and you're in clarity, and you have a clear mind, it's really going to weigh on you. Right, exactly. Yeah. And I want her to be able to accept what she did is wrong. Truly, yeah. not just go through the motions. Right. But to also kind of be able to put it in her own past. Right. And I'm not saying what she did is right at all. Mm-mm. At all. But I'm not quite damning her for what she did. Right. Because I honestly think this is a mental health issue. I think you're right. I think you're right. I feel more sorry for her than I mm-hmm. do angry. Right. No, I agree with you. I agree with you because... It was obvious that she never got the help she needed when she was a kid because her parents couldn't afford it. And right. so they just gave her up, you know. Well, and Even to this day, if you're indigent, the best that you have here in Washington is Columbia Mental Health. Okay. And it's kind of like the free clinic of crazies. Okay. And you can get some therapy from them. You can get Thorazine or whatever the fuck they want to give you. Right. But I don't believe to my knowledge that we have a nut hut here in in washington i know that you don't in in oregon because they no. shut down damish no they did shut down damish and everything and i know the county i'm from they actually even if you have a job and have health insurance but if your health insurance doesn't cover mental health you can get mental health care through washington county mental health oh, okay cool however it's an outpatient program only they don't really have an inpatient program that some of these people need. So say I'm supportive of outpatient, but some people need inpatient right. for a duration of time. Exactly. Because you're you're trying to get somebody's brain chemicals back on track. So let's talk about the meds that I'm on, okay? Which is just Wellbutrin for depression. Right. All right. So it's called it's a cumulative drug. Right. So it has been your system for a while, right? It takes about a week to 10 days to build up enough Uh in your system to be effective. So if today was the first day that they put me on it and I pop one today, or I actually start off as two, (coughs) it's not going to really be effective at all. Right. It needs to accumulate. Right. So an outpatient with somebody with... That needs to be on a cumulative drug or hell, even somebody who doesn't because mental health medications, antidepressants. That's all crapshoot. It is. It's, you know, I've, I've talked to some people that if they take, uh, well, Butrin, they turn into nut jobs. Like they get oh, violent. I was. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. you're one of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. they get violent, and for me, it works perfect. Yeah. I got lucky. Somebody would know. sneeze in my direction, and I'd go off on them. Yeah, and for me, it works fantastic. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, so there's no real test or or measure. So you can say, oh, okay, well, Bob over here needs like uh, he needs a little bit of guafacine and he needs uh, maybe some some Thorazine and uh, maybe a little bit of lithium. You can't do that. It's okay. Let's try. Right. Let's try this drug. Right. Okay. So that one's not working. Had a bad side effect. Let's try this one until you find the right cocktail. Right. No, exactly. I mean, because with my medications, because I'm on uh, antidepressive and I'm on two mood stabilizers, but the two mood stabilizers, they had to like adjust them almost, you know, like give and take a little bit here and there. Yeah. To get them till they actually work. So they keep me in a steady state, you know, where I'm just the little waves as opposed to the, the huge waves, like yeah. freaking tsunami waves that I was. You know, and so, and I also have the anti-anxiety meds that I take for my panic attacks. Right, exactly, you know, and but, but like I said, there's no way and there's no me- way to measure right. what, the, what your dosage should be. Now, there's a common ground. Yeah, there is, and it's all to do with your brain chemistry, too. Right. You know, because everybody's different, everybody. So... No, I was just, you know, no, I was, because, like I said, her case kind of interested me because That's of very that interesting, whole yeah. aspect of it. You know, the mental health issue, the health issue, all that shit. Right. I, I agree. I agree. It's, it's, and if it's she was, tr- and if she case. is truly schizophrenic and she is truly epileptic, then the fact that, you know, Maybe if she she felt that if she didn't hear the if she didn't abide by these voices, she would go into an epileptic seizure. It could be. You know what I mean? Yeah. There, there's a lot. So there's going a on lot of different you know, um, like scenarios going on there. Right. Oh, totally. So yeah. Yeah. And granted, it does. It. I, I don't want to, like I said, dismiss what she did to innocent kids, and I don't want to. Make their families feel like, you know, oh, Scott doesn't give a shit about our kids. Oh, I no. do. I no. do. Honest to God. What, what g- happened should not have happened. Yeah, your children shouldn't have ever been injured or died. But we're also saying it might not have happened if she would have gotten the proper care. I don't believe it would have. Honestly, and this is just what I, I won't know if, until when and if I can look at her med files, her uh, her, her psychiatric pro- profile, right. a few interviews. Um but given what you said, I think that, and it's the 70s, so, uh, 70s through the 80s, right? Yes. So they're, uh, God, we're so much further her, her advanced. Her crimes actually happened in 1980 through 82, I believe. Yeah, so there wasn't a whole hell of a lot that yeah. they knew. Um, well, and there weren't a whole hell, because that's right around the time that, Mental health was just starting to come out as, you know, something that people could talk about. Right. It's something that was actually even viable. Yeah. You know, outside of just, you know, throwing somebody in the in the wacko ward forever. Yeah. So I think that uh, she definitely needed a lot of help. Yeah. And given her capacity and the lower end of education, even if it was available, I don't think that she would have known. That's true too. That's true too. That's just my opinion on it. No, no. I mean, I I totally support your opinion. I mean, it actually makes a lot of sense. I mean, well, I'm over here chewing on a, a slice of salami. 
because I'm hungry. <laughs> I had so many things to say, and then you just did that, and it, they just went, you know, one over. You're welcome. But, um, yeah. No, so, yeah, like I said, this one was a very interesting case to me. Very mm-hmm. interesting. Despite the fact that she did kill children, um, I do believe that, I honestly do believe at the same time that, yes, she suffered from mental health issues, and, but she also, I believe there's a lot of abuse in her family and stuff like that that she never got the help for. I, w- I would agree, you know, plus yeah. the trauma of being sent off into the foster care system. Exactly. And, uh, and then returning. Yes. You know, and her, just her parents not having the capacity to deal with somebody who's epileptic. Right. Um, it, it says a lot. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So I think that, oh, yeah, there's probably a lot of abuse. Um, I'm not going with sexual on it because I don't know, but I would no. definitely say physical and verbal. Yeah. Because what do you do when somebody has left like an epileptic an epileptic fit? Oh and yeah. You don't know what's happening. Oh yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Most people don't know what the fuck they do. Yeah. And that I mean, and that's the case. And even after I mean, if she was into and had the grand mall seizures and everything, mm-hmm. you know, after she goes through her, you know, for lack of a better phrase, shaking. Right. You know, and everything, she's gonna be very dazed. Very confused, not knowing what's happening. And not exactly super responsive. She's going to be responsive, exactly. but not as acute as what you would want. Exactly. And so it's like there's all that. And so if they're talking to her, trying to figure out what's going on, and she's not answering them, how many times is she being called stupid? And you know what I mean? You just right. look at all of that. Right. I think that her parents would view that as being defiant. Right. And instead of like, hey, there's something major just occurred. Yeah. And what can we do to Yeah, help because her they this? are not I mean, I've seen people have grand mal seizures and I've seen when they're like come out of that seizure and everything and they're just sitting and they're just so dazed that they don't even know where the fuck they are. Mm-hmm. You know, so when somebody's asking them questions, they're like, I, I don't know. I don't you know, I don't know. You know? So I can see somebody being totally like abusive in that situation too, towards yeah. that individual. Yeah, exactly. So. so that's my thought on Miss Christine. Okay. Well, no. I, I'm glad that we did this one because yeah, it was actually very informative and thought-provoking. <laughs> like that? You said fuck Turbo King? I did not say that. I said thought-provoking. Oh, thought-provoking. Have you not cleaned out your good ear yet? No. <laughs> Probably need the hearing aids or something. Probably do. Probably do. Or maybe I need advice from Goober. Probably do. <laughs> Unbelievable name. Being Goober and out of Florida, too. That's I know, amazing. right? That's what I said. I don't know if that was his birth name, but he's in Florida, so he probably was. Probably. Yeah. All right. This is Ben. Brutal Nation. I've been your host, Scott Alexander, and, of course, Tammy Underwood was your presenter. Remember that you can send us an email at brutalnation.cast at gmail.com. Check out the website, www.twistedbluellc.com and check out the other podcasts uh, and more upcoming. Uh, and if you're going to shop on Amazon, click on that link uh, on our site. It doesn't cost you anything and it helps out this show a lot. This show has been copyrighted 2021 by Twisted Blue LLC. We will talk to you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.